Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a magazine editor, to get paid to attend events by the coolest brands and get paid to write about it? Well, in today's episode, we are going to find exactly that as we talk to Michaela Williams, who's a seasoned magazine editor and just a super funny personality to follow on Instagram, guys. One, two, three. Hola, hello, everyone. It's your host, Sabrina. And welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, where we'll talk about everything from travel, dating, to expat life, and everything in between. With new guests and topics each week, we'll get advice, some insights, and talk about things I'm pretty sure you've all experienced at one point or another. Sometimes all we really want to know is why, what does it mean, and am I the only one? See, I felt alone many times in my life, but I've gotten through it all by having my friends at my side. So I want you to think of me as your new best friend. We'll laugh together and maybe even overthink a little, but we'll have a damn good time at it all. So get ready, guys, because here we go. It's a new week, guys, of a new month, and I know we're all still stuck at home, but I've honestly been trying to make the most out of it. I've been learning new things launching this podcast and obviously watching Netflix because who doesn't? So I want to know, please let us know what are you guys watching lately? For me, I've been totally obsessing with Ozark. I don't know if anyone knows it, but it's super interesting. It's like a Narcos mixed with even more intense stuff happening. So anyway, our guest today, and it's actually a very funny story of how I started following her. So as I mentioned in one of the episodes previous to this one, I went to a Google event last November and I actually met this girl who's named Courtney. And I was talking about uh, trying to open a beauty blog to her a couple of months ago. And she was talking to me about a friend of hers who was doing a lot of things in beauty and was just such a joy. And she recommended me to follow. And this is how I came upon Lather, Rinse, Repeat. So, Michaela, it's nice to have you on the show and please tell us your story and I'm dying to know how this Instagram handle came to be. Hi, Sabrina. It's funny, Courtney, described me as a joy. I'm going to hold that against her forever, that I am a joy. <laughs> so I'm living in Dubai for eight years now, um, working as a freelance magazine editor and a general media consultant. And previously, I'd also worked in Sydney my trade is I've, I've been a magazine editor, I think heading on 15 years now working in magazines. And, um, oh, that's a long time. <laughs> it's a really long time. I think I'm probably dating myself. I started when I was 18, um, and headed straight in as an intern. And, uh, so I previously worked in magazines in Sydney. I moved to Dubai, uh, to continue working in magazines. I've worked, I think, gosh, about 50 titles now. So basically every title and Dubai, I've had my finger in at some point, either uh, in-house, is, which is when you're working on the masthead as a, a staff member or as a freelancer, when you're normally contributing a story, you're writing features or columns, or if you're heading uh, into the office for a couple of days to help sub, uh, sub-edit their issue for them. Wow, that's amazing. So you're originally from what part of Australia? Um, I'm from Adelaide, which is in South Australia. It's uh, a lot of people, they either, they either know it and they're like, oh my God, why? And I love Adelaide. It's great. Or they're like, I literally have no idea where that is. Is it, is it near the big rock? Is it near the Hopper house? It's uh, one of those cities where it's a capital city, but it's not a super well-known one. I'm dying to go to Australia. I'm honestly just waiting for this um, lockdown to finish and everything to go back to normal. It's been on my bucket list for years. Yeah. I feel like Australia is one of those countries. People go there and then they just never come back. Like I have so many British friends who, um, one, I, mean, I don't know why it's always the Brits. The Brits go there. They do like yeah. a little, um, two weeks stay and then they come back to Dubai and they're like, yes, yeah, so I met a guy there in Australia and we're going to go like get married in two days and I'm going to live in Australia now. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> um, I feel like that's the way to go. Yeah. You need an Aussie guy. The Aussie guys do it better, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually made you move to Dubai? Was it a job or were you just like a bit tired and wanted something new or? How did you end up in Dubai? So my boyfriend at the time, Luke, uh, I met him in Australia, um, in Adelaide. Uh, we're both from Adelaide and I met him <laughs> um, outside the pub toilets and we <laughs> dated for a couple of years in Adelaide. And then uh, when I finished my journalism degree, um, I moved in, uh, I moved up to Sydney because obviously that's the publishing hub uh, for Australia. It's where all the big publishers were. Yeah. Some of them are closed now, but it's where they were. Um, and he works in project management. So he ended up moving up to Sydney for me. Uh, we were there about four or five years, just under five years. And then he always wanted to move to Dubai. Dubai was kind of his uh, a holy grail, for lack of a better term. 
I don't want to say his Mecca, but (laughs) who's uh, very much always considered Dubai kind of the peak for his type of work uh, because he's involved in like new builds and fitting out restaurants and like uh, just, you know, that bigger, brighter, shinier kind of building style. So he uh, moved over to Dubai for about six months to kind of test out the waters. And I was a bit hesitant because I know there's I didn't, I didn't know what to think of Dubai. It's kind of, it's not something where if you're from the UK, it's people come here on holiday. Like it's a really long way from Australia. So at the time I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to see how you feel about it. And you know, if you, you can find a job there, you love the job. I can find work there. Fine. I'll move over. And then one day he calls me, he's like, yeah, hey babes, I'm going to start my own company in Dubai. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll come over then. Um, (laughs) So I moved over and I think my first two weeks, I ended up getting a job with, I think the major publisher, uh, ITP for Dubai, um, at a magazine called Good Housekeeping as deputy editor, um, which kind of, yeah, which is a bit of a different tack for me. So in Sydney, magazine teams are quite big or were quite big. So you'd have a department. Mm -hmm. So like the beauty department and there'll be like the beauty editor and then like three beauty writers and juniors underneath them. And they have like controlled that section of the magazine. When I was working uh, in Sydney, I was at Qantas magazine as my first role. And that's where I ended up staying for about five years. And I started off as um, an editorial assistant where you're kind of helping the editor. You're doing a lot of like the day-to-day tasks, a lot of I guess secretarial stuff, and then you kind of have to earn earn the the I guess the trust of the editor to start contributing like smaller news pieces, that kind of thing. It was a travel magazine, yeah, uh, Qantas magazine, so it's the, the in-flight magazine for the national carrier. So I started doing that, and then I moved on to my uh, role as the hotels editor, where I have a section um, on I guess just hotel travel, anything hotels related within the magazine. That's what I contribute to. So it's a very set role. So anything hotels, that's my section. In Dubai, okay. you have small, small teams. So when I started at Good Housekeeping, it was my editor, Lena Tala, who's awesome, like fantastic woman, very good at her job. She was editor. And then it was me as deputy. And then I think we had a designer we shared with a few other magazines. And that was the, that was the team. I think at some point- they basically did everything. Yeah. So it's a kind of, I, you know, when I sat down with Lena and we're working out our division of tasks, I'm like, look, beauty is my thing. I've done that previously. I've beauty blogged. I've written beauty content for Cosmopolitan in Australia, like the website. I was their digital beauty editor part-time for like a year. Like I've, I've yeah. got that. He's like, can you do the fashion too? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try the fashion bit. I'm not, I'm not one of those innately fashionable people. Like I can appreciate it. And I like the historical aspect of it. I like, I like the referencing side of fashion, how like it will reference for years, like times and periods and styles and characters. Yeah. And there's cycles and it repeats. Yeah. I really like that. I like recognizing like, oh, I know what this is referencing. And I I enjoy that kind of aspect. I'm not someone who can be like, oh, I'll put together like these four pieces on like a tiny model and, you know, fashion. I'm not that person. (laughs) But good housekeeping, I was like, you know what? I can do this. It did end up being like styling or uh, working with like real women who I think is yeah. such a challenge compared to models because everyone has their own personal style. A model is paid there yeah. to just wear clothing and yeah, they will do whatever you tell them whatever. to do. Yeah. Exactly. That's their job. But when you're dressing a real woman and doing like a, a photo shoot, that's like, oh, you know, taking you from day to night or a makeover kind of thing. Or, oh God, we had a section which was like trying, like, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. So yeah. <laughs> you'll have like... A woman oh man, like, that must have been hard. Yes. Yeah, so we'll have a woman who'd be like, I'm so feminine. I really wear dresses, but I really want to wear a power suit. Can you like style me in that? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we'll be working with a stylist for this and they'll bring a bunch of suits. And then half of the day will just be me talking someone into trying on a suit. And I just, just put it on. <laughs> just put it. You'll look great. You'll look, just try the pants. Just try the pants for me, please. Oh my God. I have so much work to do. So it became this, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking now that you're saying that it must be so hard to actually work at a store and convince people to be like that looks amazing go try it I felt like I used to work retail when I was interning and I feel like a lot of those skills from retail where you're like trying to be I mean if someone came out looking shit and at the store you're working at you don't want to be like it's not for you you can't give that friend opinion but you can be like you know what I feel like this is better on you because you don't want them to buy something that they look shit in because that's I mean, yeah, exactly. I feel like it's woman woman code at that point. You don't want them to look bad. Oh, definitely, but also, definitely. But also you don't want to tell them that the product is not flattering. So yeah, it was basically like that working with real women models. Sorry, I told you I ramble and this is a ramble. 
but uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so we've got. I mean, I know what you're talking about because yeah. I used to do styling, so I can relate. I'm yeah, I'm sure you're good at it, but I'm not a natural born stylist. So we've got good housekeeping. You know, I was doing the beauty, the fashion. Um, I was writing articles on parenting. I was doing a. Uh, food recipes. Um, I was doing, gosh, we had something called the great cookie bake off where would make like a hundred recipes that uh, readers had sent us and, you know, we're judge, we're judging those. It was just really one of those, um, That's jobs super was, fun. yeah, it was, it was really fun. I loved, um, Lena, my editor, we had the best time every day. And it's like one of those kind of workplace relationships where you're like, I'm actually enjoying coming in. Everything's very positive. I feel like together we're very capable and taking on everything but it was yeah. so much work because you are responsible for getting this entire magazine out and you don't have a budget for a lot of freelancers. You don't have a budget to kind of um, get in extra talent. So if you want someone to do like a parenting feature, you'll have to do it yourself because you can't afford, um, you don't have the budget allocated for that. Um, and yeah. it's such a comparison to Sydney where I'm like, you know, as hotels editor, I was responsible for like four pages a month. And like, you know, as opposed to like 120 pages for the month, uh, good housekeeping. So I think moving from Sydney to Dubai, you kind of, you really have to step up your game and go from someone who, you know, oh, I'm going to go for a long lunch with this hotel brand. And then, you know, we've got an evening, like uh, there's a showing or something like that for a new collection, you you know, like I'm just going to go to like the really lovely, uh, you know, cocktail bar or something that's sponsored by some fashion brand and, have some champagne I'm gonna have like a nice linger and then we've got like a free concert and a meet and greet with Lady Gaga for like a like a fragrance brand and you know it's like very like la 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 and you know and then yeah you're like oh and oh my work got done at some point I don't know and then Dubai you're just <laughs> nose the grindstone and then you're trying to get into a lot of these events and it's less about enjoying yourself and more like that's the advertising you actually have cool to make. make a good impression make sure they're spending enough money with the magazine Go back to the it's office. About, like, <laughs> it's very much more schmoozing uh, in Dubai. In Sydney, you've got more of a, you know, it's not your job to sell ad space. Um, the sales team is very good at that. You've got to keep the checks and balances with the ads team. But aside from that, you know, you, you get to enjoy yourself. And I think Sydney has better parties, to be honest, than Dubai, just quietly. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't tell um, any of the Dubai PRs that, but I feel that uh, parties in <laughs> Or maybe Sydney, they should so they can step it up. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think Sydney kind of has this go all out attitude, um, but it's very, it does it in a way where it's, it looks like it's not trying too hard. So you feel comfortable, okay. you feel fun, you're like surrounded by friends. I feel Dubai, a lot of the times you go to events and you're like, oh my God, they're trying so hard. It's, it feels like they're like shoehorning luxury or like that kind of thing down um, your throat. And a lot of events you go to, you're walking around, you're going, I don't know any of these people. I know they're not working in the industry. There's a lot of filler invites. There's a lot of socialite uh, kind of getting around at Dubai. And it, to, honest, to be honest, it makes your, um, when you're working as a magazine editor, it does make your job harder because you're trying to check out who might be good for a story, who might be good work with future. And a lot of times you're like talking to someone and they're like, you get into the most inane conversations, I've got to say, at some of the Dubai um, events. <laughs> You'll be just talking to someone and I'll just be like, you have literally nothing in your head. Um, <laughs> Man, yeah, that must be so, definitely very hard. I mean, it's not like the hardest thing, but sometimes you're at an event and you're like, why did I come to this? Why am I here? I should go back to the office and keep working so I can actually get something done tonight. Which isn't yeah. a healthy, it's not a healthy thing to do either. The um, work hard, play hard attitude here yeah. isn't very very healthy for anyone. Yeah, I can imagine. So is it very difficult to live in UAE as a foreigner? Like, is there anything that you've encountered that has been complicated or like a huge change to adapt to? Or do you mostly enjoy living in Dubai? I mean, I wouldn't say it's hard. Uh, Dubai is about 90% foreigners. So you don't really feel out of place as an expat because it's kind of like, hey, everyone's an expat here. It's, I think it's great to have friends from all kinds of different countries and to get to know their culture. Like it's kind of a you know, you could, if you go out, you could meet someone from any country and like find a common ground with them. And I think that's a really cool. And I think just because lots of people are expats here, they're more open to chatting and being friendly. I find it a lot easier to make friends here. I mean, I'm such a, I'm quite an introvert. I like staying home. So I mean, quarantine suiting me not too badly at the moment, <laughs> but I find it's You're easier. Thriving. Yeah. I find it's easier. <laughs> I find it's easier to chat uh, to people because people are more 
are open to talking. Like it's not that click of, uh, I mean, Sydney, I'd find you talk to someone um, just in the office who you haven't met before from a different magazine and they'll be like, oh, what high mm-hmm. school did you go to? I'm like, why does that matter? Uh, it's, oh, man. it's that kind of thing. Thrilled to say I've not once been asked in Dubai which high school I go to. So that's brilliant. <laughs> you can find um, it's it's people are open to everyone else, which is great. And then the locals are also like great to work with as well and to meet and to chat to. Um, I've got a few uh, friends who are either local, married into local families, and it's just fascinating to see how they navigate the world as well because I find their Marathi way of life very different to the Australian way of life, but then there's so many similarities as well. Well, that's interesting. And do you feel like Dubai is more of a passerby city or do people actually just stay there and live for a while? Uh, so I've got a theory that either you're here for six months or you're here for like at least six years. There's no in-between. I think people move here and they're like, I hate it. I need to get out or mm-hmm. they move here and they're like, oh yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay maybe two years. And then that t- two years turns into four and that four years turns into six. And then like, you know, you, you get to eight years like me and I'm like, oh, I guess this is where I live now. It's kind of one of those countries where it creeps up on you and you're, you're here a lot longer than you plan to be, but you're not mad about yeah. it. Um, and yeah, then yeah. I've also met people who I've met them in their first month and I'm like, oh, I like you. We're going to be friends. This is great. And then I'll message them the next month and they're like, nope, I'm leaving. Bye. Gone. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. <laughs> Very drastic. Wow. Yeah. I think it's, it's either thrive or die kind of city. Um, I mean, it is tough yeah. too with the visa requirements. So if you're not working, you kind of have to be out in a month. It's unless you get another job. So I see how that can be quite intimidating to people who need to have that kind of uh, security. But I, I also find it quite a, kind of exciting because uh, Dubai is so transient with so many people coming in and out. It's also on my bucket list. So hopefully I'm going to be able to go maybe not this year, but <laughs> next year. If you're still there, I'll hit you up. <laughs> no, definitely. We'll have to get Shisha. Um, <laughs> if yeah, Shisha's still allowed. <laughs> if something is still allowed <laughs> nowadays, yeah. I don't know with the quarantine thing. See, I'm not a smoker, but um, Shisha is something... It's, I don't know, I think it's because it's such a social activity and like you'll be a shisha bar and you'll like be on the water pipe and, uh, uh, you know, you'll be having shisha and like, you know, there'll be someone at another table and you can talk to them and the guys on that table will talk to you. And I feel like it's a great way if you want to meet locals here and yeah. like kind of expand beyond your like little expat bubble, then it's, it's great. I find, I find a lot of, a lot of bars and stuff like that. They're like more for like hitting on people and picking up. And there is like that pickup culture in Dubai. But if you're a shisha bar, shisha bar, it's a lot more chill. So it's kind of like the shisha bar is more of the, the hipster bar of Dubai. Yeah. See, that's good to know. (laughs) Insider tips. Yeah, go for things you don't you learn chill. until you live. <laughs> and so how did you actually get into magazines? Did you always want to work in a magazine or were you just like, uh, I'm studying journalism. I don't know what to do. Let's try magazines. And you just end up staying. God, I was such a nerd when I was little. I loved the idea of um, just print and writing and books. So when I was quite young, I always wanted to be an author and that was what I wanted to do. And then I realized mm, probably won't make any money doing that. So I was kind of <laughs> thinking of the next best thing. And I was very into magazines when I was like, you know, seven, eight. Um, I used mm-hmm. to go to like my cousin's house. Uh, my, my cousin's parent, well, my aunt and uncle had a beach house and my cousin was a lot older than me. So I wasn't allowed to hang out with her and her friends. So I'll just sit in her bedroom and I'll go through all these old like 90s magazines. And I think oh, I wow, the golden age. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. So it's like all the teen magazines, like kind of the Tiger Beats in, uh, in Australia. We had oh, Girlfriend. Tiger Beat. I love that magazine. Yeah. And we had like a uh, Girlfriend and Dolly, which was like the teen magazines. And then there was like the pop culture ones, like Smash Hits and TV Hits. And I can list all of these. Um, and I would just go through all these magazines and get a bit like really into them. And I remember... I got in trouble once because I wrapped my jumper around a pile of her magazines and took them home. <laughs> and because uh, I was like eight at the time and my parents weren't buying them for me. And I chopped them all up oh. and then s- stuck them onto paper and then stuck them on my wall and like made my own magazine pages, which now I think that oh, was wow. really cringe. But at the time I thought I was like, yes, this is me. I'm a magazine editor. <laughs> um, <laughs> you knew what you wanted to be. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And then I kind of went through high school and like was working out what to do then. And I find like, it was weird because my high school was kind of like, okay, so you can go do a degree where you become 
like a lawyer or an architect or a doctor, or you can do a degree mm-hmm. and become a teacher. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to do that. And I ended up, mm-hmm. um, I have no idea how I managed to get a high enough score for this because journalism, because they only take a few students every year, it's not a big course. Okay. So it's got quite competitive uh, TER, which is like the final high school uh, grading system in Australia. So I somehow yeah. managed to sneak into the course requirements for um, a Bachelor of Journalism. So went through that. I was, I'm a terrible journalism student. Um, a lot of the stuff they were teaching us at the time was all hard news, uh, shorthand, uh, a bit of radio, which I'm fine with, but I'm not a great radio person. I get, as you can tell, I get off subject. I'm not as concise as you need to be for radio um, and television. I was interested in, and then they'll kind of like, you know, you need to get a bit more camera ready and camera ready meant getting thinner. And yeah. I was like, yeah, nope, not interested in that. Um, That's and crazy had, that they mentioned that though. Oh yeah. They're very like, we had a, someone who was like a news anchor as one of, one of our instructors and they're very much like, okay, so if you're a woman, you should be this high and this like weight. And I'm like, okay, well I'm six foot. And like my weight is kind of applicable to a woman who's like normal build and six foot. I'm not going down to that weight that you need. I mean, I'm glad they'll start front about it, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. So I'm not doing it. Yeah, totally. Um, and I end up just, uh, heading over to Sydney, uh, sleeping in a hostel and doing work experience for a couple of weeks at a bunch of different magazines. And mm-hmm. I was kind of there and I was sitting in this office and just everyone was so cool. And so like these, these girls just seem so together and so like, uh, I mean, Devil Wears Prada wasn't really, wasn't out then. It wasn't a thing, but it was very much that kind of sense of like, I was like, wow, this is like a completely different world and I want to be in it. Um, I was very fascinated by how everything went. I mean, I was intimidated as hell, but I was like, no magazines. This is, this is where I want to be. This is very cool. And you get to write about all the things which I like, like these are my interests and you get to write about them. I'm not writing about like hard news where I was like, writing about traffic infringements or like a new council <laughs> meeting or something like that. I'm like, no, I, like people are writing about like boys and lipsticks. This is great. This is exactly yeah. what I want to do. So, um, <laughs> yeah, God, I did, I did work experience. I did a year of, um, unpaid interning, which was so, so valuable, but also like, I don't think I slept for basically a year. It was, um, wow. Yeah. You must so have I really first- loved it. Yeah, I think I was, at the time I was interning at Dolly Magazine, Cosmopolitan, uh, Who Magazine, and then occasionally at Marie Claire, um, which was great. And that was across several different publishing houses. Um, yeah. And I was just applying nonstop every time a role came up, like a junior position, I'd apply for it. And it became really frustrating at a point because I'm right there. I'm working with these people every single day as like, intern I was yeah like they know you yeah yeah I was probably too too enthusiastic to a point where I was kind of like guys like do you need help do you need help do you need help and (laughs) at the time I thought I was being helpful and enthusiastic and now I'm kind of like oh my god just go make some photocopies Michaela just you know (laughs) sometimes the helpful intern is the annoying intern um but at the time I, I was very enthused I mean I was just excited I was just like you know can I clean your boots like can I I think I've I remember taking someone's like personal, like dry cleaning in for them at some point. And <laughs> like, I did like just dumb, dumb stuff. Like there was actually a bit of a scandal while I was there where another intern, uh, there was a, there's a editor at Cosmopolitan for a while. Who's quite notorious now. And at the time she asked another intern to uh, go get a banana or something like that for her yeah. child, uh, from the supermarket. And the intern came back with the banana and the banana was too ripe or not ripe enough. It wasn't the right kind of yellow and just screamed out and oh like sent back to get it. And that was the big scandal at the time. And I'm just like this Michaela, the smug intern, I'm sitting there going, I would have picked the right, the right ripeness of banana. <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, no, that's crazy. That's actually insane. But that's kind of how, um, I guess the hierarchy, uh, were like editors at that point were kind of yeah. gods. Yeah. Um, anyway, so especially was, when you're younger, you can't really tell, right? Like you feel like, oh my God, I'm so excited to be here. Like I'll do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're like so enthused. And I think at the time, cause I was interning and there's something like a editorial uh, coordinated position that came up at Dolly magazine. And I'm like, I've basically been doing this role for free for a year. Like I'm so going to get this. And I went and sat with an interview with the editor and the editor's like, yeah, so we've kind of already picked someone, but it's nice. Like you're enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> 
And then I like spoke to like one of the the writers who had been working with and just basically been doing all their stuff for a year. And she's like, you know, babes, it's all about being at the right, right place at the right time. I'm like, how am I not the right place, right time, right now? Like, are you serious? <laughs> I've um, been here for a year. Yeah. I'm like, I've been here a year. Uh, but luckily I started, I, I said, look, you need to like change what you're doing. Um, I knew my work was good. I knew I had the right attitude, obviously probably too much of the right attitude. <laughs> and I, instead of just applying for the women's magazine titles, I started expanding. I started looking at travel titles. So Qantas magazine was the first, uh, a role I applied for that wasn't like a strict, strictly women's or fashion magazine title. Yeah. And, uh, I applied for the editorial coordinator role there and I got it and I was shocked, absolutely shocked that I got it, but I was just so thrilled. Like I kind of felt like four years of study and then a year of interning finally coming together. And I mean, obviously yeah. I got paid basically nothing, but I was at this point, I was like, I'm so happy to be here and be noticed and be doing, You're doing it for like. the title. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was kind of, and now I kind of like sit and go, God, Michaela, like, because I've turned down titles that I dreamt about like 15 years ago. But at the time, like, it was like the best feeling ever. It was just like that first kind of, those bubbles, I think you get inside where you're just so excited, you can't sit still. I was like, literally my first day, I was at my desk, like wiggling. <laughs> I just looking at, I was just like, I was just like, oh my God, everyone in this room is so smart and so like cool and these are the best writers. And I mean, I still stand by that. I think some of the writers we had at Qantas were just, just so excellent. I was so privileged to be able to learn from them, not just yeah. the ins and outs of writing styles, but also how to edit really, really well. So Sydney, <laughs> very, very, very tight on like sub-editing. And then Dubai, I mean, I've gone in now for magazines where I'm doing sub-editing. I like to read through something seven times before I approve it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know I can do a better job than most people. Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> it's not being cocky. It's just kind of the point where I you're like, aim look, to have the level of confidence you have. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not misplaced. It's kind of something where you go, look, I know I'm good at my job. I know I'm very good at this. Yeah, totally. Sorry. So what's it's been really the... boring to talk about sub-editing. No, it's, it's a lot of feelings about sub-editing. <laughs> I feel like not many people talk about those things when they're writers. They're just like, yeah, my work, blah, blah, blah. But they don't really talk about, uh, all the other types of work that goes with, actually yeah. putting a text out. Cause like you said, it's important. And even I've done it at some point, um, or like I'm writing something and then I feel like it's perfect, but then someone else is like, Oh, maybe this part should go like a little bit higher. Cause it would make more sense or like it makes the flow. And then you read it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's the least glamorous part of magazines, the backbone of it. Like if you don't have good editing, it's just an amateur operation. It's something where, you know, you know, when you like, you look through something and there's a typo and you're just like, well, this has ruined everything for me. Like it's, you can't take something seriously. If there's like, even like social media, if I'm looking at someone's, uh, captions and I see this too with like brands and they've got a typo and I'm like, guys, come on. It's like, so I think it is, uh, I mean, it's something too. You, you spend the most time sub editing and, and that's I crazy. Also, yeah. I stand for sub editing every day. <laughs> <laughs> So what area do you prefer in magazines? Are you more um, keen to do beauty, travel, fashion, just any type? Like, what's your favorite? Mm. So I, like I've said before, I've worked across so many, I guess, fields and niches. And you kind of have to be an expert in everything um, if you're writing for such a wide range of titles. I do love beauty, though. Uh, it's a subject I'm most naturally drawn to. Like when I was an intern, I'll be like tidying out the, the makeup cupboard and then like writing like these like little tiny pieces about like, you know, beauty editors, top buys, like, you know, just this shitty little, um, <laughs> little news sections like this. I was doing going, I really enjoy this. I'm like this, like I wasn't a big makeup girl in uh, high school. I think like my high school formals, like the first time I wore mascara, which was you kind of look at like how people wear makeup these days. I'm like, there's, you know, 15 year olds, like blending out like a perfect eyebrow. And I'm just like, I don't think I had eyebrows yeah. until I was, <laughs> I was like 22, <laughs> but the whole, totally. I've always been into skincare. <laughs> I've always been into skincare and then makeup has naturally flowed on from that. I'm a big fragrance nerd. Um, I think fragrance journalism is one of my favorite, favorite stories and types of content to write because there's so much you can pull from it. Um, and this yeah. kind of goes back to that fashion thing where there is a narrative uh, behind it. You can like talk to what references are. You can talk about the historical placement, like with fragrances, um, and different notes and stuff like that. There's always, um, 
kind of a fragrance that came before it that you can refer back to, you can compare to, you can say, well, this is what this is pulling from here. This is how they've changed it. And it's, yeah. I like how it kind of goes beyond this smells like apples or something like that. It's, it's, there's a lot of depth. I mean, you can make it as shallow as you want, but uh, fragrance journalism can be quite deep, which I like. Um, yeah, because especially people can't smell it when they're buying or when they're reading their social media. So they have to kind of feel something evoked mm. in them. Like, oh, this perfume makes you feel like you're floating on a cloud. And then you're like, oh, maybe I want to buy that perfume. Exactly. Like fragrance journalism and like a lot of beauty journalism is really descriptive. And that's part of it I like because you have a lot of license to tell a story um, and you get to decide how deep you go with that. I mean, I always have a, stop, uh, a soft spot for travel writing as well, because uh, that's where I started. And it's, again, I think very similar. Like, it's a weird line to draw, but uh, if mm-hmm. we're looking at descriptions and, like, you know, how much license you have to um, tell that story, travel writing and beauty writing can be very similar, because you really have to weave a, a narrative that draws the reader in. Like, they can't smell the fragrance, they can't be on that beach with you, but you can kind of recreate yeah the sensations of both. Um, and I do really enjoy that. And I've got to say like travel writing is amazing because of the, the travel perks. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I, I living the dream. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought like, I'd love to be a travel writer or a travel uh, influencer or be on like, what was that TV show? Like getaway where they go to like cool holiday spots. Like it's, it's a bit of a kind of dream job, but is it is yeah. tough. Like I've got friends who are full-time travel, um, writers and they're just on the road all the time and I'm a bit like it's actually like that sounds exhausting but they're the kind of people who are really cut out for constantly being like go 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 I think you have a lot have to have like a lot of high energy to be working uh in travel oh yeah definitely (laughs) yeah yeah, (laughs) you know what would also be a fun job to have um to be one of those I don't know what it's called but like a secret guest reviewer I don't know what they call it but like you get paid to travel to different hotels and stay in like different sections yeah like a secret shopper but like a secret sleeper yeah kind of yeah 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 yeah. I think like some hotel chains yeah I think some hotel chains have them um it's what would they call it it's like a quality control almost um yeah I don't know what it's called but like I was reading about this one day like in business insider or something like that and I was like hey where do I sign up for this this sounds amazing See, I would, I, I think I would like to do that as well, but also the, the nonstop travel, it's, I think it will grade on you. It's quite funny yeah. though, about like how you're saying that these people, they go and they like, they grade things and that kind of thing. Um, I was on a hotel review in Sydney and, uh, this quiet boutique kind of hotel and I was friendly with the PR and, uh, I had like a, my friends stay with me. Um, and we did like the dinner at the hotel and then we went to the bar afterwards and we're talking to the bartender. who's this cute guy. And we're like, blah, blah, blah with him. And okay, we, we kind of moved on from like wine with dinner to shots at the bar and like, we're like, and we're like, do shots of us too kind of thing. And it was like, you know, we're getting a bit rowdy and this guy, this bartender, I don't think he should have been drinking on the job, but I was like, fine, whatever. <laughs> we asked him to, and he like pulls out this folder and he goes, oh, do you want to see like, um, your profile? I'm like, what? And he flips over this folder and like, this has been sent by like the hotel PR. It's like, my picture it's like a write-up and it's like full like weird personality kind of profile and I'm like I don't know where they've gotten this information from (laughs) and it's like you know likes dislikes and then it's just like you know people want to like chat to hear this is like how much contact we think should prefer with like hotel staff and da 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 and like he's like yeah see I was fine like having drinks you guys because it says you're fun right here and I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) I'm like this is like such a detailed amount of research um that sounds like a private investigator yeah and like my PR friend I like messaged her like a picture and I was just like holy shit and she's like you are not meant to see that I'm like I've seen it now (laughs) your secrets are like completely revealed and I've never found um I've never like run into something like that before but I was just like I'm not sure if this is like someone who's doing excellent PR or someone who's just like the two in they've got the too far yeah they went overboard (laughs) they've gone overboard but, uh, yeah, because yeah, there's, there's a fine line, that. right? Yeah, that's a fine line. I think, um, especially like it's hard. Like, I think I've got lots of friends who work in PR because you obviously have uh, tons of contact. I mean, some of my best friends are PRs. Um, I'm not saying they're like a, di- a different beast altogether, but it's like a fine line between <laughs> uh, 
because obviously like uh, people in PR, they want you to write about their brand. They want you to write about their clients. They want to be friendly. And sometimes it's a bit weird because you'll be chatting to someone and they'll be like really nice. And I'm like, do you do you like me because you want to be friends or do you want me to like do something for you? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of, sometimes it's a bit Kind weird. of like with celebrities. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something where I'm like, oh, I don't know if you're sucking up to me. And <laughs> I've noticed like, especially as I've changed magazines, um, a lot of people will, you would have been friendly with them when you're on a particular title that catered to their client. And when you leave yeah. the magazine and you maybe move to a title that has less of the impact, I guess, on their work, it's just crickets. And I'm like, guys, hello. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's something like that. <laughs> had drinks. What happened? Yeah. I'm just like, I bought you a margarita. Um, and you had your company credit card and I used my own money in that margarita, especially for yeah. so many brunches because of the brunching culture here and that kind of thing. Um, oh God, do kind of blur. Oh my God. Brunches. I mean, <laughs> this is like the most superficial thing ever but I'm just like I miss having like a once a week me brunch. too I can do all of the my socializing in one day and then I can go home and like order a piece and be like good I don't have to like talk to anyone for a week now because it's all my socializing yeah. done I was literally just telling my mom that the other day because like she arrived right before quarantine hit and we had plans to go for that weekend to brunch. Obviously, we never went. And then I just told her I'm like god damn it we didn't even manage to go to brunch. I was waiting for you to come to go to brunch. <laughs> And like everything's around this is like the whole point of you being here. I know. I was like, you were supposed to pay. <laughs> I was going to order the truffle eggs. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's hard. I know. Now I'm just like sitting at home, just making my own mimosas. It's like every day's brunch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? It's 12 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so have you ever had a, a starstruck or a fangirl moment with all of your freelance work, magazine editor? Like tell us a funny story you've encountered. Uh... So, I mean, you work with a lot of, I think it's quite funny because I work with like a lot of celebrities who I don't, I don't care. Like it's especially mm-hmm. sports celebrities or like, uh, things that's maybe like more of a people who have more my, my partner's interests. Like he would be very starstruck by like a rugby player or something like that. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, hi, let's go get a drink. Like, <laughs> which I've, I've done to him before. He met like a rugby player and got these awful unisex toilets in Sydney. And I just had a conversation with Will I Am, who was really nice. And I was just like, babe, it's Will I Am over there. Oh my gosh, in the toilet with us. And like, Luke, I, have to, I don't know how to describe these toilets other than it just sounds freaking weird. But I was like, he's just over there. Like, and Luke's like, I'm talking to like blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, hi, do you know each other from work? And Luke's like, um, he's the captain of like the Queensland rugby team. And I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. So that's probably more his fangirl moment. I'm just thinking, uh, because I'm normally fine because it's like when it's in a professional capacity, you're like, okay, um, it's my job to get as much good stuff from you. Like whether it's quotes or if we're shooting something many usable shots as possible um, in the time frame we have. I mean, working with celebrities, it's always a time frame based thing. It doesn't like sometimes it's like if you get you don't get a good interview from them, it's that's your fault. You had like, you know, 10 minutes, talk to them. And if you can't get the quotes you want, you have to make do with it and you have to fluff it out. Like sometimes I see interviews of people who I know are like notoriously difficult to interview. And the entire like article would be like describing like the hotel room they're interviewed in or like their outfit. And like you see that and you go, oh, this is a bad interview. Is that kind of thing. And just so when it's in that professional capacity, you're kind of under pressure. So you don't have time to be starstruck. But I'm thinking, oh, how's that? God, I'm, I'm not embarrassed by this, but I'm like blushing thinking about it. <laughs> so I'm normally if able to hold interest. it together. But I was a bit starstruck when I met Kate Blanchett um, at a cocktail party for the theatre a Sydney theatre company, which she was, I think, the director of at the time with her husband. So they had the opening season uh, play and then they had the cocktail party afterwards. And you're just cruising around and the magazine I was at at the time, she was actually, she was an ambassador for the airline. So she was our cover star for that to tie into, I mean, this is why I was at the event because of the, the magazine we'd shot her. <sighs> and I was just like, just turned around, Kate Blanchett's there and I'm like holding my lamb chop. <laughs> Um, like a little lamb cutlet I'm holding a lamb cutlet and then I've got like you know my champagne flute the other hand I was just like oh okay it's so nice to meet you I'm just like it's Michaela from um the magazine like thank you so much for being a cover star this month and she's like oh great she's like I I thought I might run into someone from Quandesia oh this is great and I was just like yes and then we 
I, I asked some painfully obvious questions about theater proving I had no idea what I was talking about because I didn't. And then she was just like, oh, and what's your role? I'm like, oh, I'm hotels, but I'm a beauty editor as well. And she goes, oh, I should have guessed you're a beauty editor. Lovely skin. And I, I died. I died on the spot. And like Luke, my that partner is... was next to me. He jabbed me in my rib cage because I think I went like that. <laughs> and by the time I could respond, she was like literally being led away by the arm. I was like, bye, Kate. <laughs> It was just, oh my God. I just, it's like the best compliment of my life because she's like, like she looks like her character from Lord of the Rings. She is glowing and gorgeous and, you know, like my height, she's tall. So I was like, oh my God, I can actually look you in the eyes. But I just felt, it was like one of those experiences where you're like, this is the best thing ever. But also I am intensely mortified by my reaction because I have no chill. Um, I thought yeah. I had chill, but it turns out like I am chillless. It was just... I feel like there's this one celebrity that if you meet, like you just lose it. Like you feel like you can be cool and then you meet them and you're like, yeah, actually just kidding. I cannot be cool. Yeah. It's just the only other people I think I've met, um, I met Hugh Jackman for like all of two seconds uh, as a shoot. I came in and he was shooting for a men's title and I didn't realize I went to the wrong studio (laughs) and I walked into. Best coincidence ever. I know. And they were taking break at the catering table. And my friend, who was uh, the editorial assistant at the time, she's like, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I was just like, she's like, Michaela, do you just want to bag up? I'm like, yeah, sure. She's just like, oh, have you met Hugh? And she was doing this. No. Just, she was doing this just to show off. I was like, hi. <laughs> like in the most probably, I think I was like 21 and just intensely awkward. And I just like That's squeaked hilarious. out high. I had like no position of power or like coolness or whatever. I was just like literally in jeans and a schlubby jumper um <laughs> and I was like and I think I just like I, I squeaked I squeaked high and he's like oh yeah how you doing I'm like <laughs> and then I basically ran backwards out like I couldn't I couldn't deal with it emotionally <laughs> um I mean it's Hugh Jackman come on and that was like just, at his prime I mean he still had his prime but you know yeah I mean I was in studio so it was a shoot day so I was like literally like I'd just been painting like some blocks to use for um, a still life like it's literally the most boring admin type work and I was just like this is amazing but also holy shit I like my brain doesn't have the <laughs> the range at the moment to cope with this um yeah I was just thinking as well I mean like you do me I mean I think he was very cool he kept lunch at very cool I feel like Aussie celebrities tend to be a bit more chill um although you do meet some people sometimes who are just like they're just over it you just meet someone you're like oh you don't want to be here you hate everything cool yeah you hate me cool it's it's something where you're like <laughs> look we're Sorry, just I have to, to do a job you. yeah like sometimes you just want to shake someone and be like look we're all here to do a job you make so much money than me and I also have yeah. to be here like just come on just just play the game just, just be like, give me something yeah I've like sat in a few interviews before where it's just been not great I won't say names but there's some people who are just I'm just like come on you're meant to be pleasant like your personal your public persona as someone who's like fun and cute and da 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 but you're just like a nightmare there was um yeah got uh one title we uh the fashion title was shooting with a supermodel for a cover story it was quite a big deal and uh I was in there and like everything was on time all the looks were there um, and being steamed um we had some jewelry there which was like under guard it was all very like everything was going fine and then her assistant comes up to me and the editor I was working with at the time and says she's really really unhappy and if her crystals aren't here soon we're leaving and we're like <laughs> her crystals like what oh it turns my god. out god it turns out this model needs crystals and apparently she has crystals and they've been left somewhere at her apartment or a boyfriend's apartment or something like that someone was meant to bring them we have no idea about it because it's not my business but She's like, they have, the assistant was like, well, the manager was meant to bring them from blah, blah. And they haven't. And I'm like, I don't know. Like what, what crystals does she need? Like, I honestly. I'll go buy them. Yeah. Like, is it? No, no. It's, it's special crystals. Like it's rose quartz that was blessed by something and something that was like warmed by like the Himalayan sun. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, holy shit. I'm like, come on, you're getting paid so much just to like stand there. I'm like, pretty, just do it. You don't need the crystals. Like if, if I had crystals, can I look like you? Like I, I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> like I end up, secret. <laughs> I mean, that was the same shoot we had. Um, I think the crystals did show up while I was out picking up the catering order. I think that's the same shoot we had. Like we had to get sushi from a very particular Japanese high-end restaurant, which I think was like, God, what was the restaurant, Sam? It was like the nice restaurant at the casino in Sydney, all brand new. And we had to get like, 
this giant sushi and sashimi platter, like made with wild rice instead of the white rice and all this stuff, a bunch of miso soups. All the catering was brought in. We had it all set up on like the trestle tables and then no one touched it. And I'm just like there all oh, afternoon, no. just like side-eyeing it. And it's like, ah, oh, do I? And it's like, no, better not. And I was just sitting out there getting warmer and warmer. I'm just like dying inside because that was a lot of expensive seafood. And I think the model like oh sipped miso soup. And I'm just like, dude, why, why, why did you need so many crab legs? Like, <laughs> it was very particular. So Somebody I think, get me a crab leg step. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this would never happen in Dubai because I don't think magazines have the budget now anyway for these kind of production yeah. costs. But in Sydney, when I was starting out, it was kind of coming off the tail end of that really peak time. So everyone had tons of money. There was tons of money for like production values for a um, doing any kind of shoot, any kind of story, you'd get a budget where you can really have fun with it. And, you know, it wasn't, you could expense everything, which I think also yeah. is why magazines maybe aren't doing so crash hot now because you have a lot of people who <laughs> are used to. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's God. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> so is there something you wish you'd known when you were younger that you were just starting out in magazines? Um, like, is there something you wish you could tell your younger self, Michaela, and be like, yo, you're being dumb. Stop that. I think this is something I'm still, still struggling with, but I've, I've identified it, which I think is the main thing. But I think it's really, uh, it'd be really important to tell my younger self that it's okay to say no to things. And like I said, I'm still reminding myself this. When I first started, I had it drilled into me that any opportunity is a good opportunity. Like, you know what, what if this, if I don't take this extra work experience on, maybe I'll miss out in a future career. And now I know this is like a toxic mindset. I worked a lot of gigs early on that kind of took advantage of when I was like in my late teens, early twenties of like how young and green I was at the time. And I think mm-hmm. also kind of gendered, I think a lot of women agree to extra work because they're trying to be helpful or agreeable. They try and go that extra mile to try and impress and be shown as like a team player. Even now, like, I mean, years on, uh, I can pick and choose my clients now and I am really picky, but you can still run into those people who want your work who recognize actually you do a great job, but they don't want to pay for it or they don't want to respect your authority on something. If, if someone can't show me they've got a proven track record of um, being, I guess, not trustworthy, but like knowing their shit. I, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm happy to work with people who admit that they don't know what they're doing and they want my help. And I'm like, great, I can help you. But I yeah. won't work. I'll say no now to people who are trying to take advantage of my experience, but they're not going to reimburse me for it or it's it's kind of weeding out I guess the frauds you know it's fine not to know what you're doing but don't act like uh you do do. and don't and don't try and impose on other people who do know what they're doing it's that kind of thing where I'm like no Michaela you need to say no to these people because it's just negative energy it brings your work down you get frustrated because it's kind of like screaming at a wall like when you know you're right you know you've done the right of mouth work, everything's correct. And you have someone going, can you remove the little lines from the pages? I'm like, the hyphens? And she's like, yeah, I don't like how they look. And I'm like, no, no that's, oh, wow. that's, that's punctuation. That's no, no, they should stay. <laughs> that's she's supposed like, to be there, you know? It's yeah. For like, stylistic. Um, yeah. I'm like, um, one person's called John Paul and that, that name's hyphenated. We, we hyphenate these names, how, <laughs> how they appear. No, no, I don't like the little lines. I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Why didn't you say no? <laughs> and then it's like, it becomes the sunken wow. cost fallacy. You go, well, I've spent X amount of time doing this project. I might as well finish it. And now I've gone, yeah. nope. As soon as I get a sniff, something's happening. If they can't make it right or there's, you know, they're not ready to explain um, why something's been done horribly. <laughs> like if you see something, you you're like, out. this is cutting corners. This is a mess. This is not ending well. I just go, look, yeah. I'm not, I've given you a chance to fix this. I'm going to withdraw. And I'll just eat the cost of withdrawing because in the long run, it's, it's a lot less. I think just for your as well, sanity, just totally. for your sanity. And I think also for your self-respect. And this is something I tell a lot of people now who ask me for advice about, you know, where they should go and what they should do and like how much work is enough. Like I think journalists and writers and women in particular, like not happy to work for free, but they, they see it as investing in their future. They go, well, if I work for free now, then maybe they'll pay me later. I'm like, no, that's not the case. They will not pay you later. I'll keep asking you to work for free because you did it once. Assume you'll do it again and you get dragged into like this self-fulfilling cycle where you just work for free over and over again. I just tell people to say no and to like learn to value your own work. Choose a way to value it. If it's you value your time, your uh, amount of words you can do a day, what you bring to a project and then tell other people this is what my work's worth and don't settle for less than that. 
Yeah. Know your worth. That's the most important thing. I feel like many people don't realize that or they feel like they don't have the right to because they're just starting or something. But like you said, it's always super important because just because you're starting doesn't mean that you're talented, that you know what you're doing. Yeah. It's something like, I mean, as an early intern where I had like nothing on my books, I'm kind of like, I am getting something from this because I am getting a byline. I'm hanging out with um, people who know what they're doing, who are very, very successful at what they do. So I am learning and that's what I'm, I'm gaining from this. But I have people who are like, they've, they've got a few bylines now they've written for titles that hold a lot of weight. And they're like, Oh, you know, this magazine wants me to write for free. And I'm like, well, no, like you, you've shown that you can. So go do it. It's, it's something where it becomes, there's a line that you have to, people have to decide from themselves where it, it goes from um, gaining something for yourself and gaining that experience uh, into being taken advantage of. Yeah, totally. So I have one last question for you before we go into the last quick fire questions. How did Lather, Rinse, Repeat start as a name? Because I am obsessed. Like that is just the best <laughs> Instagram handle ever. It's funny. So as part of my, I, uh, let me think. So this it was a blog. So I had a blog ages ago. This was like 2008. And I started a beauty blog. And this is like way back in like the dark ages, I think. I think it was like on blogger.com. I was just trying to think of like something to call my beauty blog. And at the time, like people didn't have like cool <laughs> names for beauty blogs. It was all like, yeah. you know, Michaela's makeup or like that kind of thing. And I was just yeah. like, oh shit, I want something that like kind of encompasses a lot. So I ended up going with lather, rinse, repeat, basically, because I saw it on my shampoo bottle. I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> um, apparently it's a friend's reference as well, but I didn't know that because I haven't really oh, seen really? friends. Yeah, apparently. So people have asked me about that and I'm like, oh God, I don't actually know guys. Um, sure, sure. I'm kind of, it's, it's that kind of thing where with makeup and beauty and skincare, it's kind of a, you know, you, you try things over and over again until you find something that works for you. It's not kind of a one yeah. fits all solution. So I was like, you know what, that works. And then I just, well, that was a great name. The blog, uh, I stopped doing just because when I moved into uh, being more of a professional journalist, it, I didn't have room in my life for it. But in Sydney, I had such a great, um, group of friends who are all beauty bloggers. And this is a time where no one took blogging seriously. So I would yeah. be at events and like lunches and dinners and stuff with all these magazine editors as a, a, one of them. And then there'll be another table where there's the beauty bloggers. And I'm like, I was also one of them. So it was this kind of thing. And I'll, there'll be these magazine editors like talking shit about the bloggers and going like, oh, you know, let's just like their opinion and da da da. I'll be like, okay, guys, cool. And it's so funny because say five years after, all these magazine editors are losing their jobs because the magazines were closing. Magazines weren't catching up to digital quick enough. And these there's several of these magazine editors I can list now who are like, oh, I ended up starting a beauty blog because I saw a niche and I saw a gap in the market when no one was really doing this. No. I'm like, dude, you had a table of girls who are doing this sitting next to you at lunch and you chose to shit talk them instead of being like, Hey, I think what you're doing is cool. Yeah. Something like that where you kind of say, okay, there's some kind of people. And then there's other kind of people. And I, I it's the people who want to like down talk of, of what other people are doing because they don't understand it. And there's the people who are like, I don't know what you're doing, but it sounds cool. And I'd like to learn more. I'm trying to be in that, that latter group more than not. Sometimes I find myself being in the first group and I kind of have to pull myself out and be like, no, they're doing something cool. Learn about it. And like, you know, maybe you'll, you'll totally fucking educate yourself a bit more. <laughs> no, totally. I feel you. I've been there as well. And I still deal with it. Sometimes I'm like, I hear something someone's doing and I'm like, mm, that sounds weird. And then I'm like, but wait, somebody could have said what you're doing sounds weird. So like, let's just ask them what, why they're doing it, what it consists in, and then maybe learn something. Yeah, exactly. I think these are I think magazine editors were quite threatened by blogging and digital writers early on. And this is a, a part of why there's been issues with magazines continuing. They've been closing because they didn't embrace these, the digital age sooner. And I'm just like, yeah. you think back, like, I think back to like 10 years earlier, I'm like, guys, like you should have worked it with these people more <laughs> and maybe like your yeah. magazine wouldn't have closed or something would have turned out differently because you need to embrace this change. Like uh, these girls I was working with, Kimmy from... Uh, the Plastic Diaries and Helen from Sassy Bella and like just all these amazing uh, beauty bloggers in Sydney. They're just doing great stuff. And I don't think they've been noticed for as much as they should have because they're really pioneers in Sydney of the beauty blogging community. Wow. Well, you have a lot of experience. It sounds so interesting. And I'm pretty sure you have so many interesting stories you haven't covered, but it's insane. I feel like we could talk for like three or four hours at this point. <laughs> like, I feel like so I've much talked to about, say. I feel like I've talked about just 
the random bullshit and then not so much what people might actually want to know. But um, no, but I feel like it's super interesting because these are topics, you know, that not many people cover. And that's kind of what I want to do. Like, I want to give voice to those things that, oh, maybe this is interesting. Maybe this is cool, but I don't really want to ask because, you know, I don't know if anyone's interested. It's like, no there's someone out there that needs to hear it there's someone out there that might be thinking about it so like this is for y'all for the underdogs (laughs) I feel like there's like kind of a especially uh, from like a lot of my friends they they have the expectation that uh, magazines and publishing are quite glamorous I'm like guys no it's so much hard work and then there's kind of also the thing where I mean even before I started publishing I'm like oh my god it's just like the girls who look a certain way or wear a certain thing like you know the girls in the yeah. Jimmy Choo's with their Chanel purse who get hired for these roles. And then, so what, I'll, I'll try it anyway. And I found yeah. out, no, actually the people who stick around are the ones who are the people you want to know, like the intelligent, I think intelligent, I'm saying intelligent and I can't think of another adjective. <laughs> intelligent, like clever women who just, who are able to adapt and change and who had like these uh, varied interests. Not that there's anything wrong with just being concerned about fashion and how you look and stuff, but it's the women who, who like fashion and then can convert that into articles and conversations that appeal to other people and kind of bring them into their world, which I think is um, something that's kind of underestimated. I think magazines in general get talked down a lot as being, I think because it's quite feminine in Korea, especially with so many women's magazines, Uh, even men's magazines, you have women working. Like I interned at a men's magazine, a lad's magazine, I was there like, you know, oiling up (laughs) bikini models and like writing like quite... (laughs) God, I had a whole collection of like really blue off jokes, which I can't repeat in polite society, but like that kind of thing. (laughs) So I feel like magazines have been dismissed for so long as being, you know, woman's work when it's not, it's actually, it's a really tough job. Yeah. So we're going to end the interview with a couple of lighthearted rapid fire questions. So are you prepared? Shoot. Lipstick or mascara? What do you prefer? Um, I'm blonde. I'm so blonde. I need mascara. (laughs) (laughs) Magazine or books? For personal, not for working, for like your own. You know what? This makes me sound awful, but I love a book. I think it's just because I think it's kind of once you, I read other magazines for research. So if I'm reading a magazine, it feels like work because it's checking out what other people are doing. And I think also once you see how that sausage is is made, I'm kind of like, look, I work in the sausage factory. I don't want to go home and eat sausage for dinner every (laughs) night. That's not the best analogy. But uh, yeah, I love it. I love a book. I have a book club here is something that's really dear to me because it, it pushes me to at least read a new novel every month and I'm trying to expand my repertoire I mean I used to be a huge huge reader when I'm younger and I find that I've stopped doing that as I've gotten older so anything quarantine's forcing me to read more silver lining do you prefer beach or city I think city (laughs) I'm a city girl I like I I love nature I like walking around but I like I like sitting in a cafe with like my coffee or my my rosé or something and just like people watching I like checking out what other people are doing just doing that that's the best activity I like city holidays. I like, I like to go somewhere like Florence or like Paris and just like get out there and just hit the pavement and just like, you know, do 25,000 steps or just wandering around and just looking. I don't mind going to the beach, but I mean, I'm Australian and the beach is kind of like, that's what you do on the weekend. It's not like a a holiday type destination. That makes sense. Do you prefer cocktails or wine? Wine. (laughs) I don't have to think about that. Oh, interesting. Wine. Yeah. Would you rather watch? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, just, yeah, I just like wine. Good to know. Would you rather watch dating shows or game shows? Oh, um, I don't know. I, dating shows, I guess. I really got into Love is Blind, like horrifically so. <laughs> so that's been a favorite recently. I think game shows if, I like because you feel so smug when you know the answer before someone. But uh, yeah, I think dating shows because it's more of a narrative. I feel you. By the way, um, whoever listens to this episode, make sure to check out Michaela's Instagram profile. If you haven't watched Love is Blind, you should watch her recap. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, like I was hanging on to it to dear life. It's like um, hot or cold budget thing. <laughs> um, They're making a season two, by the way. Yeah, I know. And I'm kind of like, uh, now that I've had to postpone like my wedding due to Corona, maybe, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I should actually just be dating on Love is Blind instead. It's <laughs> <laughs> we should so all just, apply Netflix. Please send us the invitation. <laughs> I don't think my fiance would be super impressed with that, but you know, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for the experience. Yeah, right. I think I think everyone I know who's single needs to head head on to that. Like, I feel like knowing <laughs> someone who's on a dating show will just be like the apex of my life. <laughs> well, I'll let you know if they do hit me up for it. <laughs> International edition. Oh, so yeah. hot or cold? Like temperature, I guess. I like cold. I like being cold. I think like I'd rather sleep in like a very cold room than a very hot room. 
So spicy or sweet? Uh, spicy. And last one. Do you like to wake up early or sleep out? Oh, I sleep in. I sleep in so much. It's yeah. This is the bad thing about being a freelancer because I have to maintain my own schedule now. So I have to literally, I will book phone calls for like 9am or like cleaning appointments or like deliveries or like 8am to make sure I'm up and dressed and going because I could just sleep forever. It's yeah, it's a problem. (laughs) Tends to happen like that. Well, Michaela, it's been fabulous chatting with you. It's honestly been one of the greatest times. You're just so easy to talk to and you're just so naturally funny. (laughs) I don't think I am, but um, thank you. I'm blushing again. You are, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. I love following you on Instagram, really. Your stories make, like, make my day. Uh, thanks so much. Are you opposed to more dog content or against more dog content, by the way? I don't have dogs personally, so I love your dog content because I wish I had a dog. Well, as we you can see, guys, we had a bit of an internet problem, but it's fine. Michaela's back on the line for a quick sign-off. So thanks, Michaela, again for chatting with me today. It was such a fabulous time. You're an amazing guest. Thanks for having me, Sabrina. And um, you're welcome to enjoying my like 80 minute TED talk about sub editing. <laughs> if anyone wants to know more information, you know, just listen to this sub editing uh, podcast episode. No, but kidding aside, um, you can find all of Michaela's information, her lather, rinse, repeat Instagram handle on the podcast description, as well as our own at Pretty Sure Podcast. And we'd obviously love to know what you think. So please don't forget to give us feedback. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks, Michaela. Have a fabulous week and peace out, y'all.